you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you're always with us. You're always with us, Lord. We thank you for that. You know what that song said? Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, you're always enough. And you know, he is enough in every circumstance of a life. And I was just thinking about this, how the enemy, he runs his kingdom by fear. And he always wants us to be afraid. But this, the Bible says that Jehovah Jireh, he's enough for every circumstance. He's enough. We don't have to fear. And we instead need to just thank God and be content in every circumstance. Don't fear. Do not fear. You know, I went, I heard a, um, a, a doctor yesterday talk about fear. And he said fear shuts down a part of our brain. Now this is, I mean, God knows this already. But sometimes, you know, it's kind of fun to hear some of the, you know, medical stuff. It shuts down a part of our brain that we don't plan for the future. We can't plan for the future. And the enemy wants to shut down your future. And he wants to shut down the church's future. We're going, God, the devil's taking over. It looks bad sometimes, doesn't it? You look around, you go, whoa, things are a little bit crazy. But do not fear because God is on the throne. God never fell off the throne. Hallelujah. God reigns and he's reigning in every circumstance. Do not fear. How many times did he tell us? Do not fear. Have no anxiety about anything. But instead, what? Praise him. Give praise in every circumstance. So let's do that. Let's think and think about something that you're afraid of. Do not fear, God said. Thank you, God. Let's just thank him for taking. Think about that situation. Let's thank him for taking care of it. Jesus, we thank you in every circumstance because you're taking care of it, God. You are Jehovah Jireh. You're more than enough for me. You're more than enough for this church. You're more than enough for our state. You're more than enough for our nation, God. You are more than enough in every circumstance. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I thank you, God, that we serve the mighty living God. And he is still alive and he's still on the throne. Hallelujah. And guess what? We're seated in heavenly places right next to him. Praise God. We are seated in heavenly places, ruling and reigning with Christ. Praise God. Well, it's so good to see this overcoming church here today. <laughs> you know, just one more thing. Joyce Myers, I listened to message by her and she said you know how we sometimes say hey how you doing today and everybody goes fine 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 she goes you know sometimes we're not fine but she said I mean we don't want to be Eeyore yeah things are bad today we don't want to be Eeyore but she said what I say is I'm growing I'm growing because we're all growing and we all need to grow don't we in the kingdom because we have a destiny to rule and reign with Christ and this is this is our, uh, uh, what do you call it? This is our place where we're learning, okay? God's got us in a program of learning to rule and reign. So bless, bless you today. Um, say hi to your neighbor. Well, God's good, amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. God's so good to us. It's great to see all your smiling faces today. Hallelujah. We're going to receive our, our tithes and offerings. So if the ushers could please help me out. Um, if you're giving cash, we'd like you to receive a receipt for your giving. I just want to mention that next Sunday, next Sunday is our 41st anniversary. That's awesome. So we've been a church for next Sunday will be 41 years. We'll be a church. And so got a special video plan, some other special stuff happening. So just, that's a long time, 41 years, right? Amen. I mean, it seems like a long time, but anyways, um, so we just want to declare God's faithfulness to us. I mean, God's been really good to us, been faithful. 
and uh, we just thank God for that. So, if you want to give, uh, the ushers are they standing in the aisles. So, if you're giving cash, would like a receipt, just go ahead and slip your hand up. One of these ushers giving an offering envelope. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to Destiny Church. Maybe Stan, are you going to be here next Sunday? Okay, maybe you could whip up one of those old songs. You know, we used to have be on radio. We were on radio for, I don't know, 20 years or something, 25 years. Several stations. I think at max we were on three stations. But Stan did our intro song. And so it was a song that he wrote. And it was, uh, I can't sing it, but it was like, uh, Oh, take me down to that old country church where the Lord is doing his work. <laughs> but it was kind of funny about the, the verses was all about us. You know, like he'd say, uh, when the spirit moves, we'll sing and clap our hands. Then Stevie Sinsel and he'll start to dance. <laughs> so he kind of, if you were in church then, you kind of got um, picked on. You know, you got like some attribute of your life got uh, reflected in a song. It was kind of cool. But anyway, so, so maybe next week you could sing something. Dig up one of those old, oldie goldies or something. Amen. Well, are you guys ready to give? All right, let's pray over our offering. Lord, thank you that we can give. Thank you so much for being uh, gracious to us and blessing us, Lord. We thank you, God, for your many blessings to us. Thank you for this great nation that we live in, Lord. And we just pray again that you will bless this nation and direct it and guide it. And Lord, we just pray that you will Sustain it through this time, Lord, that you'll give it, uh, it back its purpose, Lord, that it'd be the shining city on a hill. And Lord, we, we're calling out to you, Lord, and we, we pray that you give our leaders wisdom and, and knowledge. And, and God, give us godly leaders, Lord, that will lead and guide and direct us, Lord. We just pray, Lord, that this nation will begin to experience a great awakening like never before in its history, we pray. In Jesus' name, we agree. Amen. Everybody agrees? Amen. Go ahead, man. You can pass the offering bucket. So next Sunday, like I said, is a, as you're passing the buckets, next Sunday is our anniversary, our 41st anniversary. Uh, also, not next Wednesday, not this coming Wednesday, but the next Wednesday, which is October 6th, which is um, uh, we'll be having our first Wednesday night meeting and uh, there will be seven of them before Thanksgiving. And we'll be talking about how to get along with, can't we all just get along? I mean, that's what we're going to be talking about. So uh, we'll be doing some teaching and then we'll have break up into discussion groups. So it's going to be a good time. How many know you, you're, God puts you with people and you got to get along, right? And so um, we'll talk about how to get along. So that's uh, starting October 6th. The service starts at 6.30 right here at the church, 6.30. We have something for the kids, and the teens are up at the Destiny Fitness, so, which is our, our youth center slash business up at the interstate. Also, um, after church today, um, oh, Natalie Baker is hosting a ladies' fellowship time at her home on Saturday, October 9th from 9 till noon. Natalie, are you here? You're here, right? So there, there's Natalie. Everybody look over there. That's Natalie. So and this is for the ladies, um, right? It says ladies. So don't show up, man. You'll be booted. Also, after church, we're tr going to stack our chairs because we're going to clean the carpets of the church this week. And um, also Dave Drexler. Dave, wave your hand here. This is Dave Drexler, this muscle-bound young man over here. So um, he's going to be in the back. If you have any questions about the church, um, you're mad about something or you're happy about something or you'd like to update your information. We usually try to communicate with people through text message or email. And so um, try not to have a long, you know, uh, commercial, I was going to say commercial, announcement time, even though I'm going longer than we normally go. But, um, but so we try to, if you're in question about anything, just talk to Dave over here. Amen. Are you glad you're in church this morning? All right, I want you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 9. So what I've been doing here, I've been going through a foundation series, and, um, and I've been talking about the five 
solas of the Protestant Reformation. We are a Protestant church. Uh, we also are, are spirit-filled. We, we believe in being born again uh, or receive Christ into our lives. That's one experience. But we also believe in being baptized in the Holy Spirit and where the gifts of the Spirit become operative in our lives. I like that word. Anyway, so, um, and so, but we're, pro- we're basically, our roots are in Protestant. We believe uh, what uh, Martin Luther put out there. We believe these five solas of Scripture. And um, we've gone through uh, the scriptural one, sola scriptura, or scripture alone. We talked about that. We talked about grace. The second, our second session was on grace. Took two weeks. Then last two weeks, we've talked about faith alone. Today, I want to talk to you about Christ alone. And um, to me, when you talk about Jesus, and uh, I don't think you can, you can, you cannot overemphasize Christ. In fact, you know, when I talk to somebody and try to find out if they're orthodox in their beliefs, what I always talk about is what's your understanding of Jesus? Because this is central to the Christian faith, is how do you see Jesus? If you see him as a prophet, then uh, he was a prophet, but he was much more than a prophet. In fact, I believe that every Old Testament sacrifice points to him. Every Old Testament ritual points to him. Every Old Testament story points to him. I think all things point to him. And I think he's the reason for everything. And so he's the focus of our attention. He's the focus of our faith because there's salvation in no one else. You can't be saved outside of Christ. Outside of Christ, you're not saved. And so this is not, a, this is not just a general or a side issue. This is a central issue. And that it has to be central in our thinking. What Jesus, who he is, what he came to bring. You know, one time I was preaching on the woman at the well. And I saw something when I, I looked at that. Jesus said to this woman at the well, he said, he said, if you knew who I was and you knew the gift that I was bringing, you would have asked me for living water. When I read that, all of a sudden it hit me. That's the key. If you know who I am and if you knew the gift that I was bringing, you'd ask me. And that's what we need to understand is who Jesus is and the gift that he is bringing. That's central to our, to our faith, is who Jesus is and the gift that he brought through his death, burial, and resurrection. So he's central to everything. And so, you know, John chapter 1 says that all things were made by him, and without him there's not anything that was made, not anything that was made was, that was made. Everything was made by him. And, not, and then in Hebrews chapter 1 it says that he upholds everything by the word of his power. In Hebrews chapter 1 and, and, and then also in chapter 2, he talks about how we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things. Because what had happened was when Christ came, God, now listen, this, this hit me one day. I was in a service and I just about went bananas. Uh, this guy was talking about Christ and he said, and it, he said something. He said, God, in Christ, God became a man. We call it the incarnation. God, he was 100% God, 100% man. And so that's a mystery, I realize. But when I, when, I thought, when I saw that, I said, God, in Christ, God became a man. That's powerful when you think about it. God became one of us. Why? So that he might redeem us. And so um, Christ is central to what we believe. Um, and so as we've been going through these different things, that we see that there's two different approaches to the Christian life. So there's two different, let me just review just for, I kind of got ahead of myself. Let me just review a little bit here. So there's two different approaches to the Christian life. There's law and grace, two different approaches to the Christian life. The law is based upon willpower, my ability. Grace is based upon God's power. So there's a comparison there. Law is based on willpower. Grace is based on God's power. Uh, the law is based on doing. Grace is based on receiving. Yes. The law is based on wages paid. Grace is based on the gift received. Law is, is me boasting in, what, in the flesh or what I can do, where grace is boasting in Christ Jesus. So there's a comparison between the two. 
And if so, if, here's the point is that if you add works to grace, it's not grace anymore. If you add works to grace, it's not grace. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 11, verse 6. The moment you add works to it, it's not grace anymore. It stops being grace. And you can disguise it by saying, well, we need to have works of repentance. You know, people say that. But just follow that for a second. See, because I was in that when I, got, when I tried to get saved, was I, I, would, I, I received Christ, or I, tr- I think I thought I did, but then, they, but then I would sin. They'd say, well, then you didn't repent. I'd say, okay. So if you didn't repent, then you didn't receive Christ. And so then I'd go back again. And it, it was this constant cycle. I thought to myself, because I thought that in, if I repented, I would never again do anything wrong. Otherwise, if I did something wrong, I didn't repent. And if I didn't repent, I didn't receive Christ. And then we used to do that like in receiving the Holy Spirit. It was kind of a comical in our church when we'd have somebody wanting to receive the Holy Spirit where, you know, we'd, we'd all gather around the, the victim. <laughs> and first of all, we'd talk to him about how, is there any sin in your life whatsoever? And the guy's going, well, probably. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, it got so extreme that if a woman came and she had jewelry on, they would tell her to take jewelry off. Because if you got jewelry on, I mean, you, you, the Holy Spirit's not going to fall upon somebody's got jewelry on. And if your hair is all made up, like if your hair is fancy or whatever, the Holy Spirit's not going to fall on fancy hair. You just got to be plain. No makeup, no jewelry, no cutting, long hair up on top like Mrs. Simpson in The Simpsons. I mean, you got to, that's how you got to be. Otherwise, the Holy Ghost isn't going to fall. One day it hit me. Why am I cleaning me up or is the Holy Spirit supposed to clean me up? Right? I mean, I it's I need. I need I got needs, man. I need help. If I got to clean me all up before God will have anything to do with me. That doesn't sound right to me. You know, I used to work for Billy Graham, the Billy Graham Association. I used to write his sermons. No, I'm just kidding. I would have done a lot better job. I'm, I'm joking. No, I was just one of his flunkies. But anyways, but at every crusade, I went to several crusades. At every crusade, at the end of, the, at the end of his sermon, they would start to sing a song. Does anybody know what it is? Just as I am. Just what? Just as I am. Ugly, short, fat, tall, skinny, white, black, yellow, whatever, just as I am, messed up, screwed up, loser, help me out, (laughs) dysfunctional, got issues, I got tissues for your issues, I mean, just as I am, I come, I need help, but religion says you got to clean up for God. And that's where, that's where it, it gets a work of man and works and not, not grace. And so it's very important that we understand that it's not works, but it's grace. Did I make that point strong enough? So here's the thing about change in the Christian life. Change in the Christian life is both instantaneous and a process. It's instantaneous and, a, and then it's also a process. So first of all, spiritually, we change by being born again. When we receive Christ, we're born again. Something happens to us spiritually. Something happens to our spirit. Man is three parts, spirit, soul, body. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, that The God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, body. Spirit, soul, body. So when you come to Christ, your spirit is changed. That's, why, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Because your problem isn't that you commit sins. Your problem is that you're a sinner. You know, they have this, um, they have this philosophy, uh, Calvinism. How many ever heard of Calvin? Calvin. Calvinism, which is based on the tulip. It's, 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 it's an acronym. I think it's an acronym. Is that the right word? Acronym. It's, the, the T stands for total depravity. Then you go on down there. The last one is perse- per- preservation of the saints. And uh, I probably get the rest of them wrong if I tried, but uh, but anyway. So each one is a of the word tulip stands for a certain Bible doctrine. But I, you know, and I I agree with some of it. I agree that man is totally depraved and can't save himself. I can't save myself. 
And it's interesting how that when you study through history, how some of the great uh, founding fathers of the Christian faith uh, after in the Reformation, how that uh, so many of them tried through good works to become right with God. Remember I told you about Martin Luther? He was a Catholic monk and he would go to confessional three to Can you imagine being the guy that had to listen to this? Three to six. I mean, he's a monk for Pete's sakes. He lives in a monastery. It's not like he's out on the street somewhere propositioning, you know, you know, prostitutes or something. I mean, he's in a he's in a monastery and, and he's living with a bunch of other monastery guys, whatever. And 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 I mean, basically, he's, all he's doing is reading scripture and praying. But he would have like a thought once in a while, like a bad thought. And and the bad thought was like maybe he was he thought highly of himself. And so he, he think that, well, that's pride. So he'd spend He'd spend three to six hours every day, every day in the confessional going over his list of sins. He said, he said by his own testimony, I was the most tortured soul on earth. Even though, I mean, he was the most, probably the most holy person that you probably would meet, but he was the most tortured soul. In fact, he came to the point where he said, I hated God, the God who made these huge demands upon people without offering any help. Isn't that sad? He was in such bondage until one day he read a verse that said, the just shall live by faith. And it came, lights came on and it's like uh, lights flooded his prison and he became born again. Had a spiritual rebirth. John and Charles Wesley, the same thing, the Methodist church. The word Methodist is a method of holy living. A method of holy living. They, they called their, their uh, they were at Oxford, they called their club the Holy Club. And they just did good works. And they were holy. They did good works, fasted twice a week. And uh, prayed, sometimes prayed all night. They weren't even saved. And they were tortured souls they came, to, they came to America as missionaries. And on the way back, they, the ship they were on fell into a storm. And they were scared beyond words. And they looked over at this group of people. They were called the Moravians. And the Moravians weren't scared at all. They're over there singing songs, rejoicing. They're going, finally, he goes, well, what is it with you? He goes, well, Jesus, he's going to take care of everything, man. <laughs> Don't you know? He had gone to America as a missionary. He wasn't even saved. He just had all these religious works. And finally, after that, the light broke through and he received the revelation of salvation by grace. George Whitfield, who had more to do with starting America than most people realize, he preached from 1730 to 1770, or 1740 to 1770, preached 18,000 sermons up and down the 13 colonies, and basically they say, historians say, that if it wasn't for George Whitfield, America wouldn't have started because they were 13 independent colonies. But he was able to go through each colony and preach the gospel and declare to people that they're free. They're free men. They're free before God. And his message was primarily, you must be born again. And there was a tremendous awakening. 80% of Americans saw George Whitfield face to face, which was unheard of in that day. 80% of Americans heard him. They have a story about this one guy who, who, you know, sometimes they would just send the word out that he was coming and 20 to 30,000 people would assemble. This one guy said, he, word came that George Whitfield was going to be at this one meadow because he preached out in the open door. Obviously, 20, 30,000 people, no church building is going to hold him. And so they, he heard and he told his wife, get on the horse. George is coming. He's about 30 miles away and we ain't missing him. And he so, so they, they just went there and he said he got within five miles of the place where he was going to preach. And he said he looked and he saw this gigantic cloud. He thought, what is this, a windstorm or something? What's going on here? It wasn't. It was the thousands coming to hear George Whitfield preach. It was amazing. He said, Historians say that if it wasn't for George Whitfield, America would not come into existence. But again, another guy, Whitfield was a tortured soul. And he, he almost like lost his life because of self-denial, trying to 
appease the God whom he is trying to serve. And one day as he's reading the scripture, he saw the story about the thief on the cross who turned to Jesus and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And he said, look, the thief didn't do anything good. The thief only believed and he was accepted into paradise. And the revelation came and he was born again right there. And his ministry exploded across. He was like the, the original rock star. When he came to America, 4,000 people were waiting for him. And every time he preached, the crowds would swell until there were 20 to 30, no microphone, out in the open air. He had this booming voice. There was a guy that said, if I could say, oh, like Whitfield, I'd give somebody 100 guinea, I don't know what that is, some money. If you could say, oh, like Whitfield. So I've been practicing my oh. <laughs> oh! <laughs> How's that sound? <laughs> I'm working on it. But my point is that all of these men, and you could go through history, you'd probably found all of them were tortured souls, tortured by religion, but they sought God until one day the light of the gospel penetrated the prison that they were living in. See, we can, be, we can believe a lot of the right things and we can be filled with good works but still not have Christ come into our lives unless we surrender and say, Lord Jesus, it's not what I do, it's what you did. It's not my goodness, it's your goodness. I come just as I am. It's not pretty, Jesus. It's pretty ugly, but here I come. And it's amazing once uh, salvation is the work of God. When God does a work in your life, he does something inside you that you couldn't do. And so you end up, you know, like I said to you, the, the great words of the, of the New Testament are words like righteousness, justification, salvation, eternal life, grace. But they're all words that are associated with a gift. Gift. Look at this verse here. Turn over here to Romans chapter 9, verse 30. That's a pretty sermon logo. My daughter made that. That's good. Is that you, Steph? She's hiding. Oh, she said no. Stop bringing me up. But look at this verse. He said, what shall we say then? The Gentiles, that's the Norwegians. <laughs> There's only two groups of people, the Norwegians and the Jews. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I'm kidding, don't. Gentiles are all the nations that are not Jewish. So the first is the Norwegians and then the other nations after that. The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness, talking about works righteousness, have attained righteousness, right standing with God, even the righteousness which is by faith. Everybody say faith. faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, which these, that's what these guys were all doing too, the law of righteousness. Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, did not attain the law of righteousness. Why not? Because they did not seek it by faith, but by the works of the law. For they stumbled over the stumbling stone. Who's the stumbling stone? Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. They stumbled over. See why? They, were good. they did good works, but they didn't attain righteousness because they didn't pursue it by faith. So faith is faith in Christ. Faith, not just faith in God, because the devil believes in God. But faith in Christ, looking to Christ as our Savior, looking to Christ as our righteousness, looking to Christ as our hope, because Christ is the center of all things. See, Christianity is not just being orthodox in our beliefs, even though I believe in being orthodox in our beliefs. But you want, you want to hear a funny sermon? Want to hear a funny story? Okay, so here's a funny story. So <laughs> there was this uneducated preacher who was reading the Bible, and he was an evangelist, and he was a good one. He would preach, and people would get saved. But he, did, he was so uneducated, he thought Paul and Silas, he thought Paul was a guy, Silas was the wife. And he thought their son, he thought Timothy was their son. 
So he's over there preaching, and this preacher that was telling the story, he goes, I was so embarrassed I had to hide my face. He's going, Paul's out there, and his wife Silas, and their son Timothy. Silas is a guy, by the way. He's a traveling companion with Paul. It wasn't his wife. But he say, he say he was so, it was so embarrassing listening to him because he got so many things wrong, but he got enough right that people could understand the message, and he'd give the altar call and people get saved. He'd stand around going, the guy was got Paul and his wife Silas and their son Timothy, and he got all this other stuff, but he gives the altar call and people are getting saved. There has to be enough gospel in your presentation that people's faith can grab hold of it. But when, when their faith grabs hold of it, it's not a transformation of the mind, it is a transformation of the spirit. When Paul said, therefore, if any man be in Christ... He's a new creature. All things pass away and behold, all things become new. He's not talking about your physical body. The day you got saved, if you're short, you're still short. If you're tall, you're still tall. I won't go any further than that. I'll just stop. You know, yesterday, last week I, I said, if you look in the mirror and it says ugly, it's, it's, and no one laughed. Of course, when I look in the mirror, it never says ugly. That joke doesn't work. <laughs> I want to make a mental note. I'm not trying that one again. I'm good about that one. I don't even know what I was saying. So Christianity is the life of God, which is eternal life, the life of God, eternal life in the human soul, coming into the human spirit and transforming that person into a new creature. It's the work of God. You know, Paul said, and then, the, and then the, out, or the, or the purpose of that, that divine life coming into, the, coming into our spirit is to transform our life and make us look like Jesus. That's the idea. We, the finished product is when we look like Jesus. But you can't do that in yourself. That takes the power and the grace of God. Paul said in Galatians 4, 19, he said, My little children of whom I labor in birth pains again until Christ is formed in you. Notice the purpose is Christ being formed in you. The purpose isn't that you have a lot of money and that you have no problems. No, Christ is formed in you. That's the purpose. Those are side benefits. In Colossians 1, 27, it says, To them God would make known what is the glorious riches of this mystery among the nations, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. No, it's Christ where? In you. Where does Christ live? Lives in me by the Holy Spirit. Christ liveth in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what the, what the Holy Spirit comes to do, he comes to convince the world about who Jesus is. That you are a sinner and Jesus is the Savior. In, in John chapter 16, we looked at this last week, that there's three things the Holy Spirit does. He convinces the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. That's the great sin of unbelief. That's what I titled my message last week. The great sin of unbelief is rejecting Christ. See, every person that doesn't accept Christ is guilty of that sin, rejecting Christ. That's why, how do you get saved? You get saved by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth, Jesus Christ is my Lord. You're guilty of the sin of rejecting Christ. So when you confess Christ Jesus as my Lord, that's why Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. And so the great sin in the world is they're rejecting Christ. Christ becomes the central issue to all things. So, but, but here, let me go into my sermon now. So that was all, that's all, that was all fluff. <laughs> now let's get into the meat. Are you guys ready? Okay, so here, the, the, so this naturally brings us to the question, what about sin? Now, we all look really good here today, don't we? But we know what lies beneath the surface. No, I'm just kidding. But what about sin? I mean, how many know that Christians sin? One person, come on. <laughs> Even if you don't, somebody you're sitting by must. They sin a lot. 
But right? I mean, what about sin? What about sin in the believer? So look at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Let's look at this. Let's talk about sin. So Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Some translations say, are you out of your mind? Perish the thought. God forbid. But, but so, so first of all, let me just say it like this. So Paul, people ask this question after they heard Paul preach. Are you saying that we're supposed to, we can continue in sin that grace may abound? Is that what you're saying? Now, let me ask you a question. What was Paul preaching that people would get the idea that we could continue in sin that grace may abound? If I got up here and preached against sin, I t- talked about wrath and judgment, would you get that idea? No. Because when you preach wrath, preach against sin, preach on wrath and judgment, nobody's going to get the idea that you can continue in sin that grace may abound. But Paul preaches gospel in such a way that some people got the idea that you could continue in sin and it'd be okay, or grace that would abound, or grace would cover it. But what does Paul say to that? He said, absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can continue in sin that grace may abound. That's not what I'm saying. But notice he goes sideways. This would be a good opportunity for him to start going, you need to stop sinning, right? But he kind of goes sideways. He goes, yes, amen. <laughs> he says this. He said, "How? listen, how shall we who are dead to sin live any longer in it? How shall we who are dead to sin? Did you know that you're dead to sin? He goes, we're dead to sin. We are? Well, Paul, you don't know. I must, not have, got a, I must have got an inferior brand of, of Christianity because I, I, I think I'm able to sin. <laughs> but what Paul goes to, Paul, Paul doesn't say, you need to try harder. What he does is he goes, in Christ, there's an answer for sin. He goes to redemption. We, because when, in Christ Jesus, we died to sin. Now let me talk about what sin basically is. Because when I, when I say sin, most people think about the committing the act of sin or in thought, word, or deed, right? That's what you think about. We think about it in terms of a verb, that sin is an action, something that you did. And certainly there are sins that are actions, but the word sin appears about 50 times in the book of Romans, and most of the places it's a noun. It's a noun. If you forgot what a noun is. It's a people, place, or thing. So that means this, that you're not a sinner because you commit verb, the acts of sin. You commit the acts of sin because you're a sinner. Changing your outward behavior doesn't change your inward condition. Is that too hard for you guys to understand? Changing your outward actions will never change your inward condition. So what he's saying is that when you come to Christ, Christ kills you. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. What is he talking about? He's talking about the old man, the old sin nature, the noun, the sin noun, who you are, a sinner uh, by, by uh, inheritance from Adam. You inherit Adam's sin. You're a sinner uh, in the eyes of God by your spiritual nature is the sin. When you come to Christ, God kills that. And a new nature takes its place. There, a new nature takes, a new spiritual nature takes its place. In Hebrews chapter, or Ephesians chapter 4, let me just look at that verse. Turn over there if you will. Ephesians chapter 4. How many are still with me? You all look stunned by what I'm saying. This is in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4. Can you give me my glasses? I'll try to find them there. I usually have the verses written out on my notes, but are these girly glasses? Thank you. <laughs> look at, look at um, 
Look at verse 21, Ephesians 4. I don't have this up there. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which was the new, here's the new man, who was created according to God in true, in true righteousness and holiness. So what he's saying there, he's not saying, he's saying you put the new man's deeds on the outside. You became a new man or a new woman in Christ. Your spiritual nature has changed. And so now you're a new person. You know, there's a terrible story from history that illustrates this point. Uh, you know, it's, I don't know if you guys ever heard of the French Revolution. So the French Revolution is not like our revolution. The French Revolution was the revolution of the mob. In fact, they, you know, they killed the king and the, his, and the queen, Maria Antoinette, or whatever her name was. Everything they said about her is a lie. But they lied about her. And um, history says that she was, you know, some pervert, whatever. But I don't believe it because of what she says in her diary. She was a committed Christian. The other thing I don't believe is because of her kids and how they reflected being raised in a godly environment. You know, how many know that kids have no filter? You want to hear a funny story? You guys look like you need a funny story. So, so my folks used to live in Palm Desert, and we'd go visit them every winter because it's warm. And so I would always look for good airline tickets. And so there's like about a two to 300 mile radius of Palm Springs where I would try to find an airport that had good tickets. And so one time, or actually more than one time, we went to Las Vegas. Because $100 flight to Las Vegas and back. So if you've ever been to Las Vegas, you get off the, air, air, uh, at the airplane, the first thing you come in contact with is slot machines. Now, I don't gamble. I don't gamble at all. I never gamble. I don't even do the cut-ups or whatever they call them, the pull tabs. I, I, gamble, I, I do no gambling whatsoever. I just want you to know that. But I thought it was going to be funny. I thought I'd wait till my family got off the plane because I had my whole family with, and I'd go over and I'd put a quarter in the slot machine. I don't know why I thought it was funny. I just thought it was funny. So I put a quarter in the slot machine. <gasps> they all got around me. <gasps> You gambled. They just kept yelling at me. <laughs> so it wasn't funny anymore. Kept, I'm driving, you know, two and a half, I'm driving 250 miles to Palm Desert, and the whole time they go, I can't believe you gambled, Dad. I so guess what happened when we got to my folks' place? Guess the first thing they said. We walk in the door and they go, Grandma, Dad gambled. And they knew we flew into Las Vegas, so my mom thought I got sucked in. I was sitting at a blackjack table, you know. And so, and so, and so my, my mother, you know, she's like, Stephen, hours of sermons against gambling. I said, Mom, I don't gamble. But you put a quarter in that machine. I was trying to be funny. But it gets worse than that. Guess what happened when we got back to church? Dad gambled. Because kids have no filter. Can we just hold that down a little bit? Nah, you gambled. But my, my point is kids have no filter. So going back to this story about... Uh, so so here, here's the story. So this little boy, eight years old, after the mob killed the king, his dad, and his mom by the guillotine. Then they tried to pervert him. They tried to, but you know, they, first they tried prostitutes, tried alcohol, tried all kinds of things to, to pervert him. He's only eight years old. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what he would say? He would say, I'm a king. King don't do that. His mommy taught him what a king was. I'm a king. Kings don't do that. See, he saw himself as a king. Even as an eight-year-old boy, I'm a king. Kings don't do that. 
You know, if you see yourself as God sees you, you won't do that. When the revelation of who you are in Jesus hits you, what happens is you go, I don't do that. And it becomes easy because you see yourself as a new creature in Christ. How many follow what I'm saying? So, so how does God, because sin, sin is a very destructive thing. But overcoming sin is not willpower, but God's power that's released in redemption. I'm going to give you one last verse. I'm jumping ahead here. I had a bunch of other things I was going to say, but maybe I'll talk next week about it. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing nowadays. But, <laughs> but I want you to turn to Romans chapter 4. Now, this is, this is what Paul, when he's talking about redemption, he uses Abraham. When Paul's talking about redemption, he uses Abraham. And this is what he says. See, because Paul says things like, he goes, oh, you're dead to sin. I am? It doesn't look like it. No, he says, you're dead to sin. And so here, it's a principle of faith. In Romans chapter 4, in verse 17, he says, he says, as it is written, notice the wording, as it is written, I have made you. Notice he didn't say, I'm going to make you. He says, I have made you a father of many nations. Like unto him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. That's, the, that's another translation. So here's, here's what he said. He came to Abraham. Now, Abraham had no children, zero. Abraham's getting old. It's not looking good. And God says, I've made you the father of many nations. It's like what he's saying is, before the foundations of the world, I made you something. I made you the father of many nations. Now, Abraham had a choice. He could either look, focus on the promise of God's word, or he could focus on his circumstances. Just like when God says, you're dead to sin. Now, you can either focus on that, or you can focus on the fact that you fall short all the time. You can either focus on the fact that you, when Jesus died, you died. When Jesus was buried, you were buried. When Jesus rose from the dead, you rose. To walk in newness of life, to walk in resurrection life. You can either look at that or you can look at your failures and shortcomings. But the principle of faith is what God says about me is true. A king doesn't do that. I'm a king. I'm a priest before Almighty God. A king doesn't do that. I don't live like that because I see myself a certain way. If you see yourself righteous, what happens is it affects you. I used to always use this example that in, I, in Proverbs. It says, the righteous are as bold as lions. And, it, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, you ever seen a lion when he walks through the jungle? I don't know if he can beat everybody up. My, my wife's favorite joke, you want to hear this? Used to be, the, the, um, the lion came to the, the giraffe and said, Rawr! who is the king of the jungle? And the giraffe goes, oh, you are, great lion. And then he comes to the gorilla and he goes, Rawr! this is the lion now. That's a lion. He goes, Rawr! who is the king of the jungle? And the gorilla goes, oh, you are, great lion. You are the king of the jungle. And so then he comes to the elephant and he goes, Rawr! and the elephant grabs him by his trunk and goes, wham, 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 wham. And he goes, you didn't have to do that just because you didn't know the answer. <laughs> My wife's favorite joke. So I tell it to her like once a week or something. No, that's a lie. I don't do that. But, but you know, it says the righteous are bold as a lion. So here's how we should, if we see ourselves as righteous, we should walk around like, I mean, how do you walk when you, you're like bold? I don't know how. You know, you don't go like this. <laughs> right? So how do you walk when you're bold? Like you get your foot, head, head, you, get your, you puff up, you know. You know what I mean? The righteous are bold. Have you ever, now this is a, give me a little sideline here. Have you ever read all the things you're supposed to do if you encounter a wild animal? If you see a bear, you're supposed to do this. 
you see a grizzly bear, you're supposed to do this. One is play dead, the other is run. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, like, it's so confusing. I, I thought to myself, if I see a wild animal, I'm going to like, which one do I do now? I can't even remember. <laughs> Am I supposed to play dead? I mean, this whole thing is depending on my acting skills. You know, I'm going to survive if I'm a good actor. But, but uh, I don't know why I said that. So here, here's, yeah, so here's the thing. What, what God said to Abraham was not, was not based on fact. It was based on truth. It wasn't based on fact because Abraham had no children. And the prospect was, you're probably not going to have children. But God said, I have made you. And so when you read through there, it's like what, what he says, just so, so it's like this. If God says, you are my righteousness, I clothe, I put you in Christ, you are in Christ, you have my righteousness, you have my sanctification, you have my redemption, you are my child, my spirit is in you, my, my, uh, my nature is in you. These are, these are the truth that's in Jesus. If you believe it, it will affect the way you live. You'll go like, well, I'm, right, I'm righteous. Righteous people don't do that. When the church gossip comes with her tongue so long that she can sit in the living room and lick a spoon in the kitchen. And she goes, guess what? You go, I don't listen to this. I'm righteous. I'm righteous. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. If you believe you're righteous, it will affect your behavior. Whatever you believe about yourself. If you believe you're accepted, it'll affect the way you pray. If you, whatever you believe about yourself. See, that's, that's a principle of faith. God doesn't say to Abraham, I'm going to make you this. Just hold on. till you know, Hold on. Just hold on. He says, I have made you. And so Abraham, when all hope was gone, he kept looking at the promise of God's word. He kept looking at it, kept staring at it till finally he called himself, I'm the father of many nations. I'm the father of many nations. I'm the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And what happened eventually, yes, eventually the power, the power of that, that word did something to his body and his body came to life and Sarah's body came to life and they produced a son and then he, Sarah died and then he married another lady named Keturah. She should have worked on that song. So that's a, if you're looking for a baby named Keturah. That's, so he married again, had eight more sons or six more sons. He had eight sons in all. And every one of them became a nation. What, and then we are a product of that, of his faith. He became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. Because God calls those things that be not as if they were. You could be a scoundrel. And you receive Christ and God says, you're my righteousness. If you believe that, it'll affect your behavior. Right? It's a different way of looking at Christianity. Let's all stand up. I got to stop preaching. I, get, I can keep going here. It's a different way of looking at Christianity. It's one that focuses on Jesus. It's what Paul says, the just shall live by faith. Paul said, we go from faith to faith. Whatever's not a, Paul said, whatever's not a faith is sin. It misses the mark. Why? Because God has said some things about you in Christ. If you believe that, it starts affecting how you live. The other way is, just tell me what to do. It's not, the law is not based on relationship with God. It's just based on duty. And it will wear you out, man. But this is based on life. This is based on the redemption of Christ. This is based on God saying something about you, even though it doesn't look like it. But if you believe it, it will eventually come to pass, just as God said. But it's not based on a carnal ordinance, but it's based on endless life. Does that make sense? Is that too deep? It's not too deep. It's pretty simple. God calls those things that be not. So 
I remember. That's why it's, it's, it's important that we are careful what we say about people. Can you imagine being, if, if Abraham came to you for some counseling? Hey, you know, I got this word, but it's been 25 years. What would you say to him? You need to go move on. <laughs> I mean, if it hadn't happened, it ain't going to happen, you know. Wouldn't you say that to him? I mean, come on, give up. Yeah, but God spoke. I don't think so. But Abraham didn't have me as his counselor. <laughs> oh, that really hurt. He kept looking at the promise till finally, and God kept, I mean, the cool thing about it wasn't like one time God spoke and then he never said anything for 25 years. God would appear to him at different times and he would, do, he would move a little closer, commit to him again, do something more, talk to him again. Come on, Abraham, don't give up, man, don't give up. You know, I think right now, if you're believing, trying to believe something or endeavoring to believe something, Jesus would be standing there going, come on, Steve, don't give up. Steve, don't give up. Don't give up, Steve. Don't give up. Keep going, keep moving forward. The promise is gonna to come to pass. According to what was spoken, so shall it be. Amen? Another thing that he said was, according to what was written, thank God for his word. Amen? Thank God for the word of God. Let's all close our eyes just for a minute. Lord, we just thank you right now. We thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for redemption. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for coming to us in the person of Christ. Thank you for being, Jesus, thank you for being our representative, dying in our stead, being buried, being resurrected as our representative, that resurrection life could flow into our lives, that we could be changed, transformed. Thank you for what you said about us in redemption. Thank you, God, thank you. Let the revelation of it seize our thinking, our understanding, we pray. Go ahead, guys, sing a song.
God. God's good. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I ask the prayer counselors to please come forward. We're going to give you the opportunity to be prayed for. And so if you have a prayer, prayer need, prayer request, whether it's physical, you have maybe you need healing in your body or spiritual, you need a breakthrough in your life with God, these prayer counselors would be glad to pray for you. As soon as I dismiss, just make your way forward. Let them pray over your life. Well, God's good, isn't he? So you're the right, you're righteous in God's eyes because of Jesus. If you believe that, it'll affect your life powerfully. Amen. Well, remember our announcements. Um, you know, not this Wednesday, but a week from this Wednesday, Wednesday night meeting. And then um, also next Sunday is our 41st anniversary. Praise God. Well, it's been good to be with you guys today. God bless you. Uh, you're the children of God. You're righteous. You're as bold as lions. Amen. Go out there and tear it up. You're free to go. God bless you all. Oh, we're going to stack the chairs. Maybe we can wait about 15 minutes. So if you need prayer, we can let them pray. And then we'll ask some of the guys to come in here and stack the chairs. Thank you.